Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 20-year breast cancer survivor, and actually almost 21 now. I better better change that, right? Yeah. I'm also a professional speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And hi, I'm Sharon Hannafin. I'm a 23-year survivor. I'm also a certified life coach and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. We're also the co-founders of Breast Friends. You know, today, I'm so excited, Sharon. Today is our one-year anniversary of being on the air with Voice America. And I we know. Had, isn't that great? I mean, a whole yeah. year. And we've had a lot of really exciting guests. We've had doctors talking about all kinds of things and counselors. And, you know, on occasion, we'll have a survivor come on the show and, and kind of share their story. But we kind of decided to add a whole new series of interviews to our show. And we will be talking more often with survivors from time to time. And, you know, there's nothing that tells the story of a survi- of survival better than speaking with someone who's been down that path. We're oh, really my gosh. Excited. That's that's such a true story. Um, all of us experience uh, our journey in a very personal way. And our guest today, Jan Rosenthal, is a single mom. And during her diagnosis and treatment, um, she has, you know, a few bumps in the road just like we all did. And... Um, She's here today to share her story with us, so I want to welcome Jan. Hey, Jan. (laughs) Hey, Becky and Sharon. Thanks for asking me to do this. I'm excited. We're so excited to have you on. We're excited. We've known you for how long, and we just love Jan. She's pretty awesome. (laughs) Well, it's been eight years. It's been eight years now. So, yeah. Time flies. Time flies. Wow. Well, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience and kind of tell your story, and then we'll just kind of interrupt it <laughs> as it's appropriate and ask you some questions. Yeah, we're good at that. Sure. Yes, we are. Okay. No problem. So, um, my name is Jan, uh, Jan Rosenthal. Um, I have uh, I have two sons. They're currently, they're 25 and 23. Um, I've been divorced for about 16, 17 years, raising the kids. Um, and, uh, I work, I work full time, um, I have a couple dogs, just, you know, normal, hectic, busy life as most women do. Yes, um, indeed. So, and, and we do understand I, the dogs could start barking at any moment. And if so, we'll just deal with it. <laughs> I have, okay, I have well, one at my end of the world too. So <laughs> one yeah, never knows. Hopefully they won't. They're locked up and they've got treats. Um, <laughs> oh, good. So, I was, oh. um, I was, I was just gonna say, why don't you just tell us about your your cancer? Yeah, when when you were diagnosed yeah. and all that. Sure. Well, I was um, I was fifty two back in two thousand eight. Uh, the end of the year, I went in for my mammogram. Um, I was a little bit late. I had put it out, um, pushed it out a few months because I was really busy at work and with the kids and everything. And so, I was really good for a long time, but I pushed it out a few months. Um, and then went in for my mammogram, uh, and uh, they called me back. I, um, in the meantime, after I had the mammogram, uh, I lost my job. I was downsized at work. Oh. So um, I was unemployed, and uh, they called me back in for a biopsy. 
Um, I went into the biopsy. I was very calm about it. My mom, I have no history of breast cancer in my family. Um, my mom and my grandmother both had fibroids uh, fairly often, and so I wasn't very concerned. They were always benign. So I went in for my biopsy with no worries um, and, uh, and took care of the biopsy. I got the call a few days later from my, my um, OBGYN, and she told me that it was cancer. Um, it was pretty, I was pretty shocked. Um, you know, your world kind of starts spinning right then. And, uh, and I was, uh, as I said, I wasn't working and wasn't really sure what I was going to do about the whole thing. It it was pretty stressful. So, um, I, I was fortunate. It was, it was stage one and I set about going to find a doctor, you know, find a, find a surgeon and, just started learning. I had to do a lot of reading. Um, I wanted to find out everything I could about it before I went to the doctors that I was interviewing. Um, I'm a transplant. I'm not from Oregon. I'm from California. Uh, so I have no family here except for my two kids. And uh, so I called on some friends to go with me. I knew to, to bring someone with me to take notes. And Smart so I went woman. out and <laughs> searched for a surgeon. Um, ended up selecting Natalie Johnson. Uh, and it took a month, unfortunately, to get scheduled to get into the surgeon. So I had my surgery at uh, the beginning of December in 2008. And they, um, when I got the call from the doctor's office after the surgery, um, then I found out that it had grown to stage two during that time. Oh, wow. So that was, yeah, it was pretty, um, I, I was a little bit in shock again at which point um, it was recommended that I go through chemotherapy. So that was kind of a, a twist in the picture. Jan, how, how much um, time was it between stage one and when it went to stage two? How much how much time was that in between? A month. It a was month. 30, about 30 wow. days. So yeah. You, was, you had an shocked. aggressive tumor, obviously. It was, it was going to grow, grow, grow. So thank goodness you didn't put off your mammogram again, right? Well, right, yeah, and that was kind of, you know, I got very, um, I got very evangelical about it and was telling everybody, don't wait, always go get your mammogram on time. Yeah. <laughs> if we hey, can I ask you, a, can I ask earlier, you a clarifying you know. question? Oh, I'm sorry. Can I ask you a clarifying oh, question, Jan, just because I wanted to make sure I heard this right. So you went in for your um, uh, mammogram, and then right after you had your mammogram and they found that there was probably cancer there, that's when you lost your job was right then, so... You hadn't even done your treatment yet? Well, no, they didn't know that there was cancer. It's just I have very dense tissue, and I had been called back in the past. I'd been called back for a second screening, so Mm -hmm. I wasn't concerned. That was kind of out of history of having to go back in. Um, okay. And so they called me just to go back in, and um, and in and before I knew I had cancer, I lost my job. Wow! And um, so, did you lose so, insurance too at the same time? Uh, yes, I well, wow. I actually um, I negotiated with my company for Cobra um, for them to to cover Cobra because I wasn't going to be able to afford <laughs> Cobra. Uh, God, can you imagine? I had to have oh. insurance. Wow. So the good news was I found it quickly enough that, you know, I got the Cobra all in place. Wow. That's, so. good. That's at least a blessing right there. Yeah, so. no kidding, huh? Yeah. So when, when you yeah. had your surgery, did you have a mastectomy or a lumpectomy? Well, I had a mastectomy. Um, you know, one of the things that I think was very stressful about it was, you know, you're in all these appointments and then the doctor says, well, you have a choice. She gave me an option. Um, she said I could have a lumpectomy with radiation 
the radiation would have been several weeks of, you know, five days a week, um, or I could just have a mastectomy. We didn't know about the chemo at that point because it was, it was you know, caught fairly early. Um, so I selected the mastectomy. I had very, um, I had very small, I had very small breasts. And she told me they were going to take about a golf ball size of tissue out with the lumpectomy. And I looked down and said, well, that doesn't leave me with anything. So I may as well <laughs> yep. just go ahead and have the message. I know Sharon can relate done. to that one. Oh, boy, can I? Absolutely. Yeah, I was definitely like two eggs on a flat rock, let me tell you. It's <laughs> the only reason yeah, I'm laughing probably. about it because she says that publicly. So I would never, I would never reveal your secret, Sharon, otherwise. You wouldn't help me like that, huh? <laughs> no, I would not. <laughs> Having a sense of humor was really, really important. And I just kind of giggled and said, well, yeah, that's not going to be good because that'll leave me extremely lopsided. Um, so let's just go ahead and do the mastectomy and reconstruction. So that was how I made the decision. Plus radiation, you know, having ongoing treatment afterwards, if I didn't have to, it, sound, it seemed like a pretty good alternative. Yeah. So did you do both sides then? Had both sides removed? Nope. I just did the one, and then um, we did symmetry for the other. So I had an implant placed um, on the left side and then had a mastectomy on the right. And um, it was, uh, I I joked with my family because I said, you know, I I lost my job, then I got cancer, but I got the booby prize. And so (laughs) I was really lucky (laughs) in that I look much better in sweaters now. Um, but yeah, that was, that was my decision was, you know, let's just do it. I didn't, and oh, the other thing they told me was that if I had the lumpectomy and then they did the biopsy afterwards, you know, and checked the tissue, if they didn't get it all, I would have to have a second surgery to go back in and get the rest if they missed anything. And I didn't really mastectomy. Oh yeah. It's like a mastectomy bit by bit, you know? (laughs) Yeah, because that's sometimes what happens. Sharon, you went in a couple times and didn't they have to remove margins? Yeah, I had a a lumpectomy originally and uh, we did not get clean margins. And again, like Jan, it was like, oh, well, how much more can you take? There isn't isn't much there to take. So yes, I opted for the mastectomy to get those clean margins and, um, you know, be able to move forward. I didn't like the idea of, of that daily radiation either. But I know, like in your case, Becky, um, you had very, very good, you know, success with that yeah, radiation. I did. And, it's it's uh, not easy by any means, but uh, no. I'm really glad I did it. Um, in fact, I ended up doing it on both sides over a several year span. But, um, but Jan, I want to ask you something. I mean, you were a single mom, two kids. I mean, it, things had to have been really tough. But what were what was your what were your biggest challenges of going through cancer treatment during that time? What do you think? Well, I think my, the biggest the biggest challenge I had was accepting help. Um, <laughs> not necessarily asking for help because I my family came forward, my friends came forward, but just accepting it, knowing that I couldn't do things um, or take care of some things that needed to be taken care of. Um, I'm the oldest child in my generation. Uh, I'm the healthiest. I'm the most independent. Um, and so actually letting my sister flew up to stay for me with me for a week. My cousin flew up. Uh, my aunt came after my third uh, chemo treatment. It was uh, my friends were cooking meals for me for those first couple weeks. It was really hard to accept help. It um, yeah. 
it just didn't feel right. And I'd always been so independent and just never really, you know, I could take care of things. And I, yeah. I was, I was sick and I, and, it, and I didn't feel sick because, you know, it didn't feel like I was um, until of course I had the surgery, but it was really hard. That was the hard part. You know, it's very this, humbling, isn't it? It it's is very yeah. humbling to be you know, that vulnerable. Yeah. I want to talk about that for just a minute because I think there's a lesson, you know, in this one. Because, you know, first off, one of the things we do talk about quite a bit on our show and in other places that we go out and speak, um, first off, if you're the friend who's offering help, the one thing I want to just stress, and we say this repeatedly, first off, don't offer help unless you mean it. Because first off, the, the patient's probably going to do sort of like what Jan probably did, I'm guessing, probably said, oh, that's really nice. Thank you. I'll let you know. And then you don't. But there is a rare person who will on occasion pick up the phone and call you because you offered to help. And if you suddenly aren't available or you didn't really mean it and that comes across, she'll never ask again. And so that's devastating. So only offer it if you mean it. And a good way to offer it is to say something like, you know, I don't know what you're going to need help with, but I'm sure something's going to come up and I want you to know I am here for you and I want you to call me. Will you promise me? So, I mean, that's a definite yes, call me. And then for the patient, you know, if you're in Jan's position or, you know, just kind of going through this, a good way to respond to that is to say, thank you. I will. I don't know what I need right now, but I'm so glad to know I can call you. And then when you call, you can say something like, remember when you offered to help me? (laughs) I really (laughs) need that help right now. Um, Because it kind of brings it all full circle and it makes the ask much easier. So I just wanted to share that because it's still... You know, even accepting help is hard to know unless you have kind of a, maybe a way to say it. So I just wanted yeah. to add that. So Absolutely. And about, yeah. back to your, your treatment. I mean, you, you actually then had to go through chemotherapy since your, your staging changed in that month's time. So mm-hmm. how was chemotherapy for you? Well, I was one of the lucky ones um, between the medication and um, pretty much a healthy diet. I didn't have a lot of um, nausea, but Good. I was very tired. Um, I was tired. I had the I had the the, the rest of the side effects, but um, I didn't. I wasn't spending a lot of time being sick. So that was that was the good news. Um, it really, it was hard. It was exhausting. Um, I didn't like accepting how tired I was. Uh, I think that was probably the worst part of it. Was just being tired and not really wanting to do much. Um, yeah. I, I'd get bursts of energy. Um, I, I laughed a, a couple times. Um, I went shopping at Costco, um, got a full cart, pushed it all the way through, um, and uh, got to the parking lot and got stuck. Had no more energy to get my cart to the car. And one of the guys that worked there saw me, took came over and asked me, and he loaded up my car for me, pushed it, oh, you know, took care of the cart, and unloaded. <laughs> That's so great. When I got in the That's- that's when really I got sweet. in the car, I just cried I because Aww. I was so tired and, you know, it was so, like I said, so hard to accept the help and, and realize that I really needed it. I, you know, why can't yeah. I push my cart? Um, <laughs> and yeah. so after that, I didn't go without my kids. I always had my boys there so they could do it yeah. for me. That, <laughs> that's, that's helpful. helpful. Yeah. You know, and one how time old, I... How old oh. were your boys? I'm sorry, Becky. That's how okay. old were your boys at this time when you were diagnosed? They were 17 and 15. Okay. Okay. Good. So they were big helps for you at that point then. That's good. That's nice because teenagers can go either way, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'd always done it by myself. So 
you know, I went out and tried to mow the lawn one day and uh, ran over the cord. It was electric and I ran over the cord and just went back in the house and said, no, you're not supposed to mow the lawn anyway. Just go back in the house. <laughs> so I, I really was trying so hard to not let it not be, not let it get to me, but it, it does. And I think that's something I really learned was it's okay. It's okay yeah, not to absolutely. be strong all the time. Yeah, you know, I have to share with you just a quick little story, Jan. One time a friend of mine, Patty, called me and she she could just hear my voice. I just sounded awful. I was very, I'd been crying and I was all upset because we were going camping the next day. And I hadn't had time to go to the store. I was too exhausted. I was tired. And I told her what was going on. And she says, okay, what's on your list? And she she made me, and I tried to tell her nothing. I would get to it. She goes, no, 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 what's on your list? And she made me tell her everything I needed. She wrote it down. She brought it over to my house. I wrote her a check for it. And then she helped me pack my cooler. I mean, I that's, that's pretty awesome support. So, yeah. you know, we need and, people and we, like that that we know mean it when they offer to help, you know. <laughs> so, and, You know, I think we all have friends like that. It's just letting them because it, it, I know one of my best friends she put together without checking with me except for my food preferences she put together a meal plan she assigned my group of friends a different day of the week for the first two weeks and people kept coming over to my house with casseroles and salad perfect, and perfect. they would just show up and and I'd open the door and you know if they brought me weight way too much food but I would save it and eat it later and it was great so I had a really good group of friends that all came together without any direction from me because I really you know yeah you don't really want to ask and she just took control and I had meals for the first month actually it worked out to be so it was really good that's And it's always helpful when they're freezable. Listen, we're going to go out to break. So when we come back, Jan, let's talk about what it was like with your, you know, trying to raise your children and how you told them and how they reacted. Let's let's kind of go through that because a lot of our listeners do have children. So um, so we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Stay tuned. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. 
You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with Jan Rosenthal, a breast cancer survivor who went through her journey as a single mom. So, Jan, before the break, we were just kind of talking a little bit about, you know, your kids and how they handled the situation. So, just let's talk a little bit more about that. So, how did the boys handle it? Obviously, they had to step up and go grocery shopping with you, which they weren't used to. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you tell them? You know, what was what was that kind of defining moment when you finally had to tell the kids what was going on? And how did you do well, it? Well, I, I, um, I, yeah, I was a little bit anxious, obviously, because, um, well, they're boys. First of all, um, you know, they don't want to know a whole lot of personal stuff about their mom. And, uh, and so I, uh, we were actually in the car and, um, my, uh, older son was driving and I decided we'd, we'd gotten, they were actually with me when I had to go to an appointment. So they were going to wait for me and I, I was on the way and I said, well, guys, I need to explain to you why I'm going to the doctor. And, um, I just told them, you know, I've had this I had this diagnosis and, you know, it's breast cancer and this is what I'm going to do. My son um, picked up, he had a can of 7-Up in the car and he picked up the can and he pointed to the ingredients label on it and he goes, but mom, you don't do any of this stuff on here because I don't drink soda and I don't do artificial colors, flavors. I mean, my kids know I've always been very healthy and I raised them to not do a lot of that, those, those types of, of chemicals in our food. And so they were shocked. I mean, the bottom line was that they were pretty shocked because they thought I was so healthy and, and they just didn't understand. So, it, you know, we talked about it for quite a while, actually, while I was explaining, you know, you don't have to have a history. It doesn't, it's not caused. We don't know what causes it necessarily. So they got an education um, and I just reassured them. I had to, you know, spend time that I was going to, yeah, everything was going to be fine. I just needed to go through the surgery and, and, um, and their, their grandmother, their aunt, their, their cousins, they, you know, they were going to come, come stay with us for a while and help out. So I think okay. they were, they were, they were shocked, but they have a lot of faith in me and they know I'm a strong person. So I think that helps. Yeah. That makes a difference. Yeah. We actually have a brochure at Breast Friends we, uh, about when mom has cancer. And we talk a little bit about what a younger child uh, would be going through with this kind of information. And then we also have another piece that is called Tools for Teens. And unfortunately, we didn't have that back then when you went through this. But I think it's a great resource as well to be able to really um, explain uh, what a teenager can do for their mom or their grandmother or an aunt or whatever. Um, And that's helpful. As well as on the other side, it also explains those things that they may need to do for themselves, right? Talk to other people about it so they can actually, you know, those scary questions that they don't want to ask their mom, like, are you going to die? You know, talk to their counselor at school or if they have uh, other resources, uh, uh, an adult in their life that they feel comfortable to ask some of those really scary questions. So I think it's really two good resources when you have children going through cancer. Yeah, and you know that that kind of I want to stress something on that too, Jan. You just mentioned that you know because you caught yours early and and there was a 
really strong likelihood that you were going to survive this easily. And so you Mm -hmm. told your boys you were going to be okay. But sometimes, you know, when a woman does get diagnosed, hers may not be caught so early and she may not know for sure what's going to happen. And so one of the things that we encourage in that brochure is rather than tell your kid, your little kids, especially, you know, I'm going to be okay, I'll be fine, because sometimes you don't know. And so the best, yeah, yeah, so the best thing to say in that situation is, you know, mommy's got really good doctors, and we're going to do everything we can to get me well. And I have to be on medicine that might make me sleep a lot, but that's just because it's working. And we're going to do everything we can and um, to make this all go away. You know, just because you don't want to promise something to a child that you can't 100% 100% deliver on. It's really hard. And I know that that's real questionable, but, um, you know, we talked to a counselor about this when we put that brochure together. And the kind of, Sharon, do you remember what the three things are that, you know, one of the things is kids want to know, did they cause their mom's cancer? Because maybe they yelled at her or they didn't obey. <laughs> and it's, right. It sounds, or, you know, I wish you were dead, you know, kind of, you know, type in, in a of, moment of anger. Yeah, exactly. You know, and they're like, oh, my gosh, did I cause this? You know, yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah, so, that is a biggie. Um, obviously, am I going to be OK? And if and is, are you going to be OK? Yeah. Those are the other two. Those, yeah. Right. That's right. And so one of on the am I going to be OK? Just telling your children that that no matter what, they've got a bunch of people that love them. And no matter what happens, you'll always be somebody in your life who cares about you, you know, and just just kind of reassuring, you know, in that situation. I'm just very fortunate or very happy for you, Jan, that you're that your circumstance, you caught it early enough to not have to deal with some of those really ooh, tough ones. And that doesn't yeah, make cancer any easier by any means. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it in fact, let's just talk about that. So you get through your ke- your your chemo, you get through the surgeries, you're, you know, trying to get your um, stamina back. And how do you cope with that then? Well, um, the good news, again, the silver lining was that I wasn't working. And so I had a lot of time to just rest when I felt like it and needed to. So learning to do that, going to my follow-up appointments, um, you know, going to my fills for my reconstruction, um, I really was fortunate in that I I didn't have a job. It sounds so contradictory, but it really made a big difference, I think, in my life. I I wasn't stressed out as much because I didn't have to worry about work. Right. Um, And and I could focus on me. And it really was, um, I noticed, that it was the first time really in my life that all I needed to think about was getting better, taking care of things, um, do the chemo, you know, get my fills, do do everything that I needed to do to stay healthy, sleep when I felt like it. I'd never really either been able to do it or thought that I could do that in the past. Right. And this kind of forces you, kind of forces you into and, that position, Yeah. Yeah, it did. And and I was able to do that without the, you know, my kids were old enough where they weren't pulling on me to, you know, do other things. They could they could drive themselves if they, you know, needed to go somewhere. And and so it it was a, a time in my life where I really could just kind of get centered and and grounded, which was interesting. So it wasn't I don't regret it. That's the thing. I don't it changed my life in such a positive way that I don't I don't regret going through it. It was scary, but and I'm here. It's very different, yeah. obviously, if, you know, if I had, if I had lingering sure. things happening, but I was really very fortunate. 
Um, and and so after, just, you, after you go through that type of thing and then that fear of it coming back or, or coming on the other side, did you ever go through that? Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Every so time first, we get a pain know, in our hip, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's in my bones, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, um, I had a, um, oh, it's called a, uh ancillary web, I think, so from my surgery. So I couldn't raise my arm very high afterwards. Um, so I had to I had to go to physical therapy. And, um, I mean, it, it wasn't easy. None, none of it was easy. It just seemed like there's a lot of stuff to do, you know, a lot of self-care and follow-up visits. And, mm-hmm. and, and that was, you know, with a fairly, you know, simple, you would think, fairly simple, cauterly. Um, but it was, it was a lot. Oh, and I did, I did the... Um, uh, I had the test, the genomic testing, you know, I did that. So, you know, I did a lot of things. I just tried to take care of everything I could and just focus on, on me. And mm. it was all right. It was, Jan, it was why don't really you explain right. genomic? Why don't you explain genomic testing for our listeners who may not be aware of that term? Well, the, the testing that I had was um, they, they took, uh, they took, samples from from my surgery and they analyzed it from what this is it was a while ago but they analyzed it against um all of the other tissue samples that they had done um and and looking at my specifics to see this was in particular to see what the chances were of it coming back and versus having chemo so it was a decision it was part of the decision about chemo because it the cancer had not gone into my lymph nodes. And so it was this additional testing and, and it was interesting to me. So when that came back, it could show you, you know, what your chances were. And again, it's just, I mean, it's not definitive, but they, it's just based on the database of the testing they've done so far to see what the likelihood is of the cancer coming back. And then what the likelihood is of it coming back with, with chemo. And uh, that's yeah. when my oncologist recommended the chemo. So that makes sense. Sure. Um, yeah. It was very yeah, expensive good. and not covered mostly by insurance. Oh. So. Yeah. That I was a that was a big decision then, wasn't it? It was a very you big know. decision. So, you know, yeah. we lost insurance paid for part of it and I got part of it written off cuz I was unemployed. So, um, um, you know, there was a lot of financial worries during that time too, even with insurance. Um, cancer is not cheap. No, no. In yeah. fact, uh, one out of four uh, women will actually go through bankruptcy or at least all, lose all their savings. So it's a, it's financially, even if you are employed, obviously it still affects you. You have to miss work if you are trying to continue to work through your, your treatments. You still lose time. Sometimes people work part-time or some people um, aren't working at all. And so it can really be devastating financially to a family. And uh, obviously you being the sole supporter of your of your children, that makes a big difference. I'm sure that added a little bit of worry to your plate as well. <laughs> it did. Um, yeah, it did. Um, but, oh, and then I couldn't go look for, you know, I was asked, uh, at times I've been asked, well, this break you had in your, in your employment history, it said, well, I really couldn't go look for a job when I was bald. It was, um, 
I, I had to take some time off to let my hair grow back. I didn't feel comfortable going out on job interviews with a wig um, or a scarf. And, and even eight years ago, I mean, I think it's more acceptable now when you see women who are bald, but it really was a time where I needed, I felt like I wasn't comfortable going out and representing myself without my hair. It's a beacon to the whole rest of the world too, it that is. you're, that you have cancer. So that's a and, tough one. And even though they're not supposed to discriminate, you know, future pro- prospective employers, we know that they do. They make a judgment call and we'll find some other reason not to hire you. So, you know, that that's a tough one. Uh, it really is. Well, so, Jan, can I ask you a question? And if you don't want to answer it, just tell me to mind my own business. But <laughs> how did you support your family during that time that you were off work and, you know, you didn't have a spouse income to help take care of things? How did you, What did you do? How did you manage that? Well, the good news was is uh, unemployment, number okay. one. Okay. Uh, number two, I had a settlement with my company. Um, that to help me because there was a little bit of um, uh, I needed some support. Okay. Um, I, I'm a little. I, I did. I ended up actually um, hiring an attorney, and um, mm-hmm. uh, because I I needed some help from my company, and I've been there a while, and mm-hmm. uh, so that that was part of it. Yeah. Um, it was stressful, but I I did what I needed to do, and um, and then I fortunately I had a very good career. Um, up until then, I still do, uh, and I had to pull money out of my my retirement. So, mm. um, well, when I took the hit. When we come back on the other side of our break, which we're not taking yet, but um, we're going to spend some time talking about how your life has changed since then. But before we go out to break, can I ask you another question? You mentioned to us that you recently went back to see your oncologist, and what was that about? Well, a couple things. Um, I have a really good girlfriend that, that we met through treatment. I, I made friends with some women. We all had treatment at the same place at the same time. And so several of us made friends, and we've stayed together ever since. We get together about once a month for dinner, and we laugh and joke and tell our stories. We retell our stories. We've heard them all, <laughs> but we still we go back, and we, we giggle a lot, and we talk about our lives today, but we, we've stayed close all these years. And um, one of my friends um, was having a pain in her hip and she was going through physical therapy and, you know, all kinds of trying to figure out why she had pain in her hip, arthritis, you know, looking at all these diagnoses for it. Um, uh, After a few months of that, uh, it did finally come out that it was uh, her breast cancer had returned in her bones. And, um, and I had, uh, we're, we're not, we're not doing real well. She's, she's, um, it's it's spreading, it's metastasized, and it's not curable. And, um, you know, we're, we're all getting even closer now than we have been over the years. So I had been having a pain in my hip, and I've been ignoring it. Uh, I'm getting older. So when I said I that earlier, that resonated. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> I think we've all had that pain in our hip. Darn. Yeah, okay. so I've been having Carry on, this sorry. My, I have this pain in my hip, and I've been trying to ignore it. I'm a power walker and I'm just, if you keep exercising, it'll be fine. So um, it, hearing her going, seeing this, I decided I better go to my doctor. So I went to my primary care physician. Um, I was diagnosed with arthritis um, and, uh, you know, what do I need to do from there? Separate story, but I'm dealing with that. But it, the pain was getting worse and it just didn't feel, 
I needed reassurance. And I went to a girls' night out at Breast Friend. I uh, was uh, chatting with, with the group there, and someone said, well, why don't you just go check with your oncologist? And the little light went on over my head. I said, oh, my gosh, that's a great idea. So I went back to my oncologist. I just really needed the reassurance that my sure. that my situation wasn't, wasn't hiding. It wasn't that the breast cancer had come back. And um, so I went in, and, you know, he talked to me, looked at my x-rays, did some movement on my leg and hip and reassured me that it wasn't the same. We have the same oncologist, which really helps um, a lot of my friends. And, um, and so, you know, I got my, I got the reassurance that I needed, but it's the first time in a few years. At first I was always a little bit panicked when anything happened and my mammograms were very traumatic the first couple of times, even though nothing came up. Um, But it was really, um, it was nagging at me and listening, you know, something wasn't right in my, in my body and I needed that reassurance. So good. he was awesome. And you know, and it's I'm good. I'm glad you did that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing yeah, to get too. the reassurance that, it, that it's not cancer, but then heaven forbid, if it is, you catch it earlier than if you wait, you know, a while and see if it goes away. So well done, Jan. We're really happy that you did that. We're happy you're still here with us and we are going to go out to break and we'll be back in a couple minutes. But when we come back, we're going to talk about what she's doing now. <laughs> this is It's getting exciting. So stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back. We've been talking to Jan Rosenthal, sorry, a single mom who went through breast cancer about eight years ago. So I wanted to just touch on that financial piece again because, like you said, cancer is not cheap. And uh, I, I know you sounded like you were really your own advocate around the financial piece of this puzzle. And I really applaud you for that. 
So, Jan, um, did you were you able to use uh, any of the resources that are available for financial help, or um, you know, with the hospital or the doctors or any of those kinds of things? Well, um, no. Part of that comes from the fact that I'd always worked and I'd always had a good job and looking at myself differently, like somebody who didn't have income and was rapidly depleting my resources. Um, I just, um, I did what, you know, I did what I needed to as far as, uh, like I said, I was able to collect unemployment and, uh, I, boy, I don't like to admit this out loud, but I was fudging the job search part because I couldn't really look for a job, but I, um, but I did that, and um, so I was collecting unemployment, uh, and then um, my company helped, and I had retirement. Um, yeah, that's good. Was, you, and I didn't even go look at what resources were out there as far as with my hospital bills or anything. Um, I, I, looking back, it would have been a very smart thing for me to do. Um, I just didn't realize how long I was going to be unemployed and how expensive everything was going to be. So it was a struggle. It was very scary. Um, I well, recover. I think most, I most, I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say a lot of the hospitals, a lot of the doctor's offices, things like that, cancer uh, resources do have financial counselors that you can chat with if this is a problem um, for people because again that those are those are hefty bills and so sometimes there is charity care available. There's also things like Pink Fund and Comac is a local resource I know some of our ladies have tapped into and there's probably lots more. You just need to do a Google search and figure out what might be available in your area. Um, but again, that financial piece can be, it just adds all that extra stress to your life, too. It does. And that's, that's the stuff that people don't see. You know, they see that you're, you're healthy or you're tolerating it or whatever you're going through, but they can't see the, the extra anxiety of having to deal with those bills. And, and do I qual- what do I qualify for? And, and who, goes, who helps with that? You know, how do you, how do you figure it out? I know... Um, like the hospitals, as long as I was making certain payments on a regular basis, there was no finance charges, then we were fine. I didn't have to pay off the whole bill all at once and things That's like good. that I yeah. did. But mm-hmm. good. yeah, it was um, every chemo. I remembered every chemo bill. It was like $6,000 for a chemo treatment. Oh. And I was on, it was it covered 80%, but that still was, that was still, still a lot, 1200 bucks. 12, 12, 1200 bucks every time I went in for, for chemo. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, that's, it was, yeah, that um, adds up in a hurry, doesn't it? Ooh. Yeah, for yeah our, it you know, for our global <laughs> listeners, um, you know, we have a lot of people that listen all over the, the world, actually, which is kind of exciting. But, you know, Susan G. Komen is represented in many, many countries. And I know that here locally and, in, you know, here in the United States, they do maintain lists of resources like that that do provide financial support. So I'm not sure if they all do, but, you know, the one here locally does. So yes. if any of our listeners need that kind of financial support, probably a good starting point would be to contact their local Coleman affiliate and see what they've got, if, if anything. Exactly. Well, I, I do have something I wanted to add on that because, um, unfortunately, uh, I was in a very volatile industry and I was laid off subsequent to, I got a job after, but then I was laid off from that position. And, um, and I had couldn't afford Cobra, and I didn't have. I went without insurance for a year. Oh boy! Um, and mm-hmm. so I stopped taking my aromatase inhibitor, 
Um, mm. I stopped going to the oncologist and I hunkered down for the time it took me to find a job and get insurance again. Um, mm-hmm. Not the right thing to do. When I went back to my oncologist, I got a very big lecture about <laughs> how he would have helped me yeah. and yeah. how he could have, you know, he could have told me what my resources were. So what you're saying is very true. There are resources out there. And I, when, you, when you're under a lot of financial stress, which I definitely was at that point too, um, it's hard. It's hard to think what my resources are and where I can go for help. And, uh, and I just, um, uh, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't make the right choice. So I had to stay on yeah. the meds next year. But I, I just ran away and said, no, I can't afford to go to the doctor. I can't afford my medication. It was, I checked into it. It was $600 a month for my pills. Yeah, and I was, they're really I, high. Well, I can't, I can't do that. So I, I avoided treatment for a year for financial reasons. And mm. I afterwards realized, after, the, after him being very caring and, and lecturing me, I realized that I may not have had to do that, but I, I just didn't know what to do. So, yeah, you know, yeah, with, with yeah. the affordable with the Affordable Care Act that we still have in place for who knows how much longer, um, they did have to eliminate the pre-existing condition rule. So if you had a pre-existing condition that was not insured, they could deny coverage to you if you started, you know, if you mm-hmm. came back in, like in your circumstance. But with yeah. the Affordable Care Act, they have to allow um, pre-existing conditions. And, of course, now we have a new president, and I don't know where that's going to land, but um, got to keep our... our prayers on that one going so just to make sure that 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 stays at least that piece of it stays in place I don't know what all is going to change but but it's a it's a big issue and so many women you add the financial stress on top of everything else that is never good for a cancer patient no so, it isn't no not at all yeah no so. and I don't recommend going off your meds and I yeah. <laughs> but I I was very yeah so you know, I forgot about that, but yes, I was under a lot of financial pressure yeah. um, to try to to even even pay for my medication. So, yeah, you know, I think and some of the pharmaceutical companies even offer um, free medications for patients in need. I'm not sure who does that, but I remember seeing some ads on TV at one point about that. I don't know if they're still doing it. That might be an interesting topic one time too. Well, and I think that's the point: is asking the question, yeah. right? Being, being yeah. mm-hmm. vulnerable enough to be able to ask for help and whether it's asking your neighbor to take your kids to soccer or you know asking somebody to go grocery shopping for you or asking your hospital if they have some resources for you you know what I mean so there's there's lots of reasons that we need to ask for help and I think that's kind of the bottom line of this this kind of story too so um, we just have a couple minutes uh, more with you Jan and so I just wanted to touch on that kind of dating piece after your you know your hair grows back and and you're trying to get your life back to normal and and all of that so do do you have a story you want to tell around that? (laughs) Well um, again, having the sense of humor is really important. I um, <laughs> when I, I I've dated some over the last few years, and um, some people handle it better than others. Um, but I know one time I was out dancing, and um, I had on kind of a low cut top, and I noticed the guy I was dancing with was looking down my top, and <laughs> I, and, I, and I, I caught him because I know they do that, but you know before surgery nobody did that so this is new <laughs> and and so I um 
I, I giggled. I mean, I, I, I didn't think it was funny, but I giggled and I said, well, I go, you can look all you want. I go, they're fake. I said, I'm a cancer survivor <laughs> and, uh, and they're, and they're relatively new. So, um, <laughs> it was just pretty funny because, uh, because oh I my just gosh. said, you know, I got to laugh. I have to laugh about it because I'm not used to having them. And, uh, and so it was, yeah, that was pretty, he, he didn't seem too embarrassed. Um, I, I just figured I'd, I'd get right out there in front and say, hey, that's what's up. Um, oh, I do I tell people that. that usually on a first or second date because um, I, I just, it's just something they need to know. It's, it's who I am. It's part of me. Um, I most recently was dating somebody who, um, whose wife, um, late wife, had breast cancer and it um, it had metastasized into her brain, and she passed away. And I found that dating someone who really understands, actually, who's been through it with a significant other, made a, a world of difference in how I felt. It made me a lot more comfortable um, being with somebody who really understood. So that's something else that I noticed over over mm-hmm. time. If somebody is is empathetic or or understands. Um, I'm, I'm much more, I'm more comfortable because it is a, it's a, a strange, it's a strange thing to be in a relationship with someone and be a different person than you were before physically yeah. being a different person yeah. and then understanding the, you know, the, the, the treatment and, you know, the emotional aspect of it. If someone can, can be understanding of that, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. Sharon, you had a unique approach to let men know about your cancer. Why don't you just tell that well, one real quick? You know, I was kind of like Jan. I, I kind of had to get it out there right away. I mean, you know, I, I laughingly say, you know, hi, I'm Sharon. I'm a breast cancer survivor, you know, but it wasn't that bad. But it felt like that at times, you know, where you just because it was such a big part of who I was and my breasts were not real and you know they yeah I, I just didn't want that to come up uh in an awkward way later <laughs> well yeah and then you, you never have that question of when do I tell him well he yeah, already knows <laughs> exactly and and of course sometimes like like Dan said some people uh look at you like you're crazy and some people handle it very well and it opens up open dialogue and so you can explain what that actually means because sometimes they don't even have a clue what that really means. Yeah. You know what and, I think is funny? I think mm-hmm. when you say that those words and you just watch their eyes drift down to your chest. Oh yeah. Oh all and <laughs> like they're being discreet. Need, that doesn't even need to be dating. That's just yeah. like, hi, <laughs> you know, people. I'm a you know, I'm a twenty three year survivor and you can watch their eyes just go boop boop you know, right down to your, your breasts chest. and up to your <laughs> eyes again, you know, it's just, it's pretty funny. Yeah. So, yeah. well, we, we, uh, we don't want to run out of time before we ask you what, what changes, if any, in your lifestyle um, has happened because of cancer, Jan, what would you say? We need the short version though, because yeah. we're almost out of time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Short version. Um, I know it's a cliche, but life is short and that's really what I learned. We all have an expiration date. I was lucky that that wasn't mine, but you never know when it might be. So yep. it's okay to be nice, make plans. Um, I'm on a track to retire early. I want to do the things that I want to do and enjoy and, and not be stressed. You know, just, it really did change my life. I, I put up with a lot less in my life. Um, negative people, I don't need to be around. Um, do a job that I love, that I enjoy going to every day, 
um, and then plan so that I don't have to go to that job every day and spend more time with my children. It really did change. I was always so frazzled all the time and running and just full speed ahead. And now it's taking a step back and really um, counting my blessings, all the good things that I have in my life. And, and I know that I can handle any bad things that come along. I know that now because I, yeah. I, I did it. And I will continue That's whatever really else good. comes my way. So I just I'm a stronger person for it. And I'm much more optimistic. I think that well, I Jan, we past. have we've been so blessed to have you on our program today. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we also want to again thank our listeners from across the pond. That's so exciting. We have about about as many across the pond in the UK as we have here in the United States, which is pretty cool. So if anybody's out there listening and you would like to recommend some topics of interest, please um, send us a quick email at Becky at Breast Friends and tell us what topics you'd like to hear about. If you yourself would like to be a guest or you know of someone who could be a guest on our show, we invite you to introduce yourselves to us because we're, we're filling up every week and we're working through April now on our next um, group of of listeners, our next group of shows. So, and then if you just like to listen to the show and you don't want to do anything more than just listen to it, but you enjoy it, we encourage you, please think about going to breastfriends.org. And that's a great resource for all kinds of information, for patient helps, uh, family friends help. But there's also a big blue button at the top of that page and it says donate. So we would love to have you consider going to our page, click on that button and make a donation to help support just the general work that Breast Friends does or to consider supporting our radio show. So we will be back next week. Until then, remember, there's always hope and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.